0: Lord, we ask there happened to be that one mother here today. Whatever time, age, or whatever that hasn't come to know your precious son, pray, Lord, that that conviction will come upon that heart today before it's everlasting too late. Father, we just thank you. Pray, Father, that your spirit continue to be within this place today. Touch each and every heart through your word. How we've been blessed with the songs. And pray now as we take this offering asking, Father, that you just bless it and use it to the furtherance of your kingdom. We thank you, we love you, and we ask it all in that precious name of Jesus. Amen.
1: through it all you
0: Thank you so much, Joni, thank everyone for part of this service. Turn, if you would, to the 12th chapter of the book of Mark. We're going through the book of Mark, and uh, I don't know, some of you, you know, if you want to go ahead and leave, you leave whenever you need to. Some of you, it won't take very long to get your belly full of this. Uh, But we're just going through the book of Mark, and so we're down to verse 41 of chapter 12. And you say, preachers, it's Mother's Day. Well, there's a mother in this story that's a tremendous lady. And uh, that's about where it stops. That's all I can tell you that there. But I've been faithful to preach through, so we're going to continue to move through through the Word of God. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient Word. Amen. I love that word, all-sufficient. Anything we need, we find in Jesus. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Now if you're looking for a Mother's Day sermon, here it comes. This is the best it's going to get. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which made a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury." For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. Would you continue to just let your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray you'd open our hearts and our minds. God, some just came today, and Lord, they may have just come for the pomp and circumstance. Uh, Lord, but, but, but I pray that God, right now, your spirit would do a work in every heart that's in this building. That, Lord, you'd open us up and that, Father, we would say yes to you. Even before we know what you want us to do, we'd say yes. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard about a monk that joined a new monastery. and The only thing at this monastery is you can only say two words every ten years. I want to tell you, the older I get, I'm not sure that I wouldn't like going to that monastery a little while there. But anyway, he went there and ten years he came into his supervisor, and supervisor said, Well, you're, you're due for two words, and he said, Food bad. I went back. He served another ten years, twenty years altogether. He was due for another two more words. He comes into his supervisor and he said, Bed hard. He goes back. Another 10 years, 30 years he's been in that monastery. And he comes back, he's due for two more words. He said, I quit. (laughs) The supervisor said, Well, I can't, I I understand why you hadn't done nothing but gripe since you've been here. (laughs) Some of you, (laughs) Ah, I'm going to set you up now. I hear this every time a preacher preaches on money. I mean, you can hear Listen, I'd be better to preach on politics than I would money in a Baptist church. But some of you, and I hear it. Now, you don't tell me. God love you. Thank you for not doing that. But you tell others. Every time I go to church, he preaches on money. I looked it up. It was April the, April the 24th, 2011 the last time I preached a sermon on money. So you really ought to come to church a little bit more often than that. (laughs) I mean, if that's what you're saying, I want to tell you, you need to come a little bit more often than that uh, to be a part of that. I want us to gain some insight real quickly about what Jesus saw as he sat down beside the offering plate. There's got to be a lot of criticism that's going on here. Don't you know people said, look at this lady and said, are you out of your ever-loving mind? What do you mean giving away everything you've got your food what are you going to do now you gave your last cent i told you they were just interested in your money down at the temple and then there's got to be some condemnation the corrupt practices of the jewish temple and a lot can be said about the corrupt practices there but jesus uses this occasion to commend this woman it's most likely wednesday afternoon In less than two days, Jesus is going to stretch out his arms on a cross at Calvary. He's going to bear and become the sins of the world. There's going to be an upper room. There's going to be a garden tomb. There's going to be a kiss of betrayal. There's going to be a mock trial. There's going to be a crucifixion of death. Yet in the midst of all that's happening, Jesus takes time to sit down beside the the offering plate here. And he begins to teach some lessons let me give you three things quickly here number one he observes her gift he sat down and began to observe now it's not just the amount with jesus he observed the how and he observed the why the greek word here is theoterizo it literally means that jesus theatered the offering. It's like us, it's where we get our English word theater from. Jesus theatered the offering. It's almost like Jesus said, Boys, let's pop some popcorn, get some Diet Coke, and we're going to have a movie right here. We're just going to watch what's going on. Everything's going to be on display here. And uh, this is before TiVo or DVR, or demand viewing, Netflix, Facebook, Vimeo, uh, anything. He is going to view by theatering the offering. Now, What would you think? I'll tell you what Baptists do. Number one, we've learned a long time ago, when you take up the offering and you're broke, you don't have any money, you always thump the plate as it goes by. Because people have no idea what that means. They think, well, at least he gave something. You know, you thump that plate when it goes by. But always, every time in a Baptist church, when we have that offering envelope, we turn it face down. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. What would you think if when you turned your offering envelope face down, The person next to you just reached over there instead of putting something in, just turned your face up and looked at it. I mean, they got one or two that you can say, wow. Or they say, hmm, I shaved my legs for this. I mean, good, grief! Is this all there is? (laughs) I mean, one of those two things is going to happen, you know. What would you think if every Monday morning, and I promise you, I do not do this. Every Monday morning, the pastor got your envelope and saw what everybody gave. Or what if we divided this place up tonight, today into nine different sections? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then nine across the balcony. And we had all the ushers bring everybody down here and say, look, this is what this person gave. You say, No, preacher... Oh, could I just tell you something? Rather than you being hacked off at the person who counts your money, you better consider that the Lord knows what you gave. You might better be considering and convicting the fact that God knows what we give. He made a theater out of the offering. Now, he saw the portion of the offering given. Verse 42, he saw the widow's gift. But verse 41, he saw all the rich people's gift. There's a lot of money went in this thing. I mean, the offering plate just bulging over. King, King James calls it mites or farthing. NASB calls it a cent. NIV calls it a fraction of a penny. But you put it in modern-day terms, she gave about 50 cents is what she gave. About 50 cents. Now, there's wealthy members, and they've gotten up, and they've written out their large checks. they put in the... St- the cash, and they don't even feel it. They're getting dressed, they're putting the makeup on, everything's wonderful, they're playing gospel music in the background, they're talking about how they love each other and all of that, and then there's this old poor widow over here, she's probably calling the church trying to get a ride if she can. And then somebody who says, yeah, if somebody come by and pick you up. She begins to look in the cushions of the couch to see if she can't find something that she can give to the Lord. And she cleans her garment up as best she can. And then she comes down to the house of the Lord. The Greek word here, lepta, means a leaf. It's like gold leaf or silver leaf. It's what poor people use. Instead of real gold, we use gold dust or gold leaves. Like that, all right? It means a thin cut coin. The coins she put in were just like slicing thin, 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 thin. I mean, you can read the paper through it. So small. It's the same word we use in chemistry, antiparticle. It's the smallest part of an atom. So small it barely even counts. This woman gave this gift so thin you could slice it, microscopic, barely any impact at all. The temple would have barely noticed if she gave it or if she did not give it. But Jesus noticed it. He saw the amount she gave, and everybody. Now listen, he saw the amount they retained also. (laughs) So he said, these folk over here giving all this money, they're giving out of their abundance. He saw all that. Bill Stafford, one of my great heroes in the faith. I don't know if you've ever heard Dr. Bill Stafford preach. He's just like a he's getting old now and got Alzheimer's, but. He uh, can just, mm, my soul. Uh, I don't know that we've ever had a preacher in here that could preach better than Bill Stafford, but Bill pastored a church, and he said a wealthy man in his church didn't like Bill, and he, he uh, very wealthy, but he would give $1 a week. That was it. But Bill said he would roll that dollar bill up so tight. I mean, it, when it hit the plate, it would just bounce, it was so tight. And Bill said he just got all of it. Bill's big mouth and couldn't, you know, he's not kind, gentle like I am. He's just a wild guy. He went to the guy and he said, look. He said, if you got to give a dollar, that's all right. But he said, why do you have to roll it up like a little old tight ball where it just bounces like that? He said, the guy said, oh, brother, you can't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Brother Bill said, he looked at him and said, brother, let me tell you your right hand is doing so little your left wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> but I tell you, Jesus would notice it. He noticed what they gave. He noticed what they kept. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me hasten to say this. Jesus is not condemning wealthy people. He's not condemning wealth. Let me tell you something. You won't ever outgive God. The more you give, the more he's going to give back to you. He's not condemning. There's a... A trend around it thinks that anybody's got wealth, they must have got it crookedly or whatever. That is hogwash. Man, God blesses people with wealth. And uh, uh, one of the things God does is pour out His blessings on people. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. The first key to understanding your money is to understand it's not your money. Psalm 24 1 The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. You, you don't even have the stuff you use to buy the money. You use the money to buy it with. You think God doesn't own it all? You're a heartbeat away from a blood clot. You're a heartbeat away from a stroke or a car wreck, and then bang, it's gone. What's going to happen then? Your kids and wife are going to fight over it. You say, oh, not my family. Oh, I've heard that before, too. I've heard that before. Can you imagine with me the first week of school, and uh, little sweet Isabel, Did, wasn't she wonderful here? I'll tell you. Uh, here's her name right here. I think I'm gonna take a picture of that. Now that's that's a memento. You see that little dance she's got there? That's a papa dance right there. That's good. <laughs> but the first first week of schooling, and, and and I buy Isabel this backpack, and she's got all of her school supplies. I buy her everything. I don't buy her just anything. I mean, she ain't going to use these little cheap Kleenexes. I buy her those double ply with the lotion in them, Kleenexes, you know, and, and she's got the finest pencils there are and the finest paper there is and the finest of everything, and I stock that whole thing there, and I go over and I say, hey, I need to borrow a pencil, and I go to pick that pencil, and she said, no, it's mine, it's mine, you can't have it. You say, wait a minute, I bought all this stuff. What do you mean I can't use it? Don't you think maybe God may ask that sometimes? We sit around with our tight fist and we say, God. God says, hey, I gave you all this stuff. Everything you have comes from the Lord. Every perfect gift comes from heaven above. How do you think God feels? Heard about the $100 bill, the $20 bill, the $1 bill. The $100 bill said, hey, boy, it's been a great life. I've been to Buenos Aires. I've been to Cozumel. I've been all over the world, the French Riviera. It's been a wonderful life. $20 bill said, well, I haven't had that good of a life, but I have been to the mall. I've been to JCPenney, and I've been to uh, Walmart and Dillard's. The $1 bill said, well, I've just been from church to church to church. And the $100 bill said, what is a church? Ooh. Let that kind of soak in just a moment. (laughs) Let me tell you, Jesus saw what they gave, Jesus saw what they retained, and Jesus saw why it was given and why it was kept. Jeremiah 17, 10, I search The Lord, I says, I search the heart, I try the reins, even to the give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Why did you give what you gave today? What what was the purpose and the intent of your heart? Because I want to tell you, God knows. God knows. Billy Graham went to preach when he was younger, and we don't do it up here anymore, but there's still some churches, have them big old high tall back chairs. I mean, it's just like sitting in a you know I don't know what They're square big old chairs and Billy Graham was sitting up there and usually when you take the offering it doesn't get up to the podium you know that's a reason for singing in the choir they're up here they, they, they nobody ever passes the plate huh and so billy said he was sitting up there and, and he said all of a sudden the usher came up and was offering the plate he said he knew he had a dollar bill and a 10 dollar bill And so he just reached in and got it, and blessed God, it was a $10 bill he put in the plate. After the service, he told Miss Ruth, he said, Honey, I hope somebody buys our lunch today, because I I had a $10 bill and a $1 bill, and I meant to put the $1 bill in there, but the $10 bill got in the offering plate, so we got a dollar to buy lunch. Miss Ruth said, Billy, the sad thing is that God only gave you credit for the dollar. Mm. See, he knows our heart. He knows our heart. The counting committee knows what you put in the offering plate. Your CPA knows what you kept. But God knows why you put it in and why you kept it. Now, it, it serves a pastor no purpose to look at offering envelopes. Absolutely none. Because you say, well, yeah, the amount, the amount doesn't mean anything. The amount is based upon what you have left or the reason you gave it. And that's way above my pay grade. I don't know any of those things. I I don't know any of those things. Well, let me give you the second thing here quickly. we got to go. Her motivation for giving. There there are three kinds of giving. There's grudge giving. There's guilt giving. And then there's grace giving. Grudge giving says I have to. I I don't want to be discovered, so I've got to do it uh guilt giving says i ought to i really ought to i mean we're doing building for eternity i really ought to be a part of it i guess everybody else looks like they're going to i ought to but grace giving says i get to i wish i could tell you in 46 years i've never preached on grudge giving but i have and i've done some guilt preaching on guilt giving too but you know what i've discovered I've discovered that guilt giving or grudge giving only lasts about two weeks and then you're back to the same thing. We we need to promote the fact that we get to. God in his sovereignty gives us the opportunity to give. Two men went in an airplane together, just a little two pilot thing, that thing crashed. They were on a deserted island. One guy was just worrying himself, silly. He said, nobody's ever going to find us. The other guy said, oh yeah, they'll find us. They'll find us this week. He said, how can you be so sure? He said, well, I'm a multimillionaire and I tithe. I promise you my pastor will find me. (laughs) What, What motivated this woman to give? God knows that. She gave in light of some stuff. Amen? She gave in light of her poverty. I mean, she's she's in good grief. She's poor. She gave in light of Calvary. You see, the only way to ever be saved is to come by way of the cross. You, You can't be saved any other way except to go through Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So the only way you can be saved, you say, wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute. This lady was here before the cross. That's right. She was being saved on what would happen. We're being saved on what has happened. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm just being honest with you. I think it takes a whole lot more faith to be saved based on what might happen instead of being saved on what has happened. Calvary has already happened. The grave has already been been robbed. Jesus has already conquered death. He's not going to. We're saved by grace because of what Christ did on Calvary. This woman was saved by grace because of what Christ was going to do on Calvary. When she dropped her two coins in that offering, I I was trying to look it up. I, I run out of time this morning. I was trying to to get things ready for breakfast, but I, I, I didn't get it exactly. But I want to tell you what, she's not very far. I don't know exactly how far, but she's not very far when she gives these two coins. She's not very far from where Abraham raised that hand to slay his only son. And the angel stopped that hand, and Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb the Lamb of God. Centuries later, the temple stood day after day after day after day. The blood was running freely by animal sacrifices there. And if this woman was willing to give in light of what Christ was going to do, then you tell me, why shouldn't we be willing to more than give based on what Christ has done for us? 2 Corinthians 9, the scripture says the point is this in the ESV. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. She gave in light of Calvary. But she also gave in light of eternity. Now, i do not crazy enough to believe she called it building for eternity.
1: <laughs>
0: but that's what we're calling it. I, I think she probably said, you know, I'm not probably ever going to be able to give a whole lot in this world. I'm probably not ever going to amount to a whole lot in this world. But you see, she was investing in the kingdom of God. I love to give every, every time somebody comes to faith in Christ every time we give a benevolence offering every time we invest in a mission opportunity like Haiti or Sudan or Mexico, Belize, Honduras Kenya, Philippines, Costa Rica Eastern Europe or even through the cooperative program we're going to be rewarded because we've given to that and the souls that have been saved same thing happens in this building program this building's going to be built God's going to build it he's already told us to build it What God told us to do, we're not backing down from. He's going to be built. And for years and years to come, you know, I don't know. They told me when I had heart surgery five years ago, I had eight to nine years probably, and that, you know, we'll go from there. I probably won't be here to see all the kids that are going to be saved unless the Lord comes back. But I'll tell you. There are going to be people saved. And because of the money we've invested in that building, it ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. You say, preacher, you ought not to be given just for the rewards. Well, I'm just telling you, if you don't understand giving any more than that, you need to go back and look at your Bible. Because Jesus said we need to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust will not corrupt it. What do you mean not giving for reward? That's one of the main reasons I'm giving. I want the rewards. Well, so what are you going to do with them? I'm going to throw them at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to stand there empty-handed. There's an old song when you sing, Brother Dale. Must I go and empty-handed. Mm. That's not my sermon. Let me hurry up. <laughs> he said, store it up. Store it up store it up. You can't carry it with you. you. just send it on ahead. And you do that by being a blessing here on earth. And then she gave in light of some things, but she also gave in spite of some things. She was poverty stricken. The word used here is for poor, destitute, had nothing. And I realize in this place today, there may be some of you who are unemployed, some of you who are in debt, some of you who are a widow or a widower, some of you who are working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week just trying to make it. Make ends meet. Listen to me this morning. Don't you ever underestimate what God can do with what you give. Don't you do it. Because God knows the heart. I believe with all my heart, (laughs) with all of my heart, that if every one of us in here didn't have a dime to our name and we gave a penny in the offering, I believe the bills of this church would be paid. I believe God would multiply it and it would happen. She gave in spite of her poverty. She gave uh, in in spite of their hypocrisy. The temple system here was corrupt. In a few days, you know what they're going to do? In a few days, this offering that she's giving, this offering that she's giving, that she put her money into, her everything into, they're going to skim off the top of it and pay Judas 30 pieces of silver to denounce Jesus. Coming out of this offering. The hypocrisy. She gave in a lot of the hypocrisy. Now, Baptists, I know, get disgruntled. I'm thankful we don't have that here. I've been in places before. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just quit giving. We'll smoke them out. (laughs) Dumb, dumb, dumb. Preacher makes too much money. Staff members, there are too many of them. The air's too cold in here. They're trying to hang meat in this place. I'll show them I'm not going to give but I'll tell you this, and I'm doing it out of heart of love. (laughs) Seriously. If I couldn't give where I was in the church, I'd go find me a church I could give in. Because you'd be better off in another church somewhere where you could give and feel right about it than being in a church where you can't give. Because the person who gets robbed is not God. God already owns everything. The person who gets robbed is yourself. And then, bless God. I'm going to give. I'm going to give to the Steeple Restoration Fund. I'm designating my money to the Steeple Restoration Fund. And so, churches have $80,000 in the Steeple Restoration Fund and can't pay their light bill. Bring you all your tithes into the storehouse. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. God gives a declaration here in verse 43 and 44. <laughs> you have to agree with me. I don't understand this. But you have to be honest. Jesus counts money different than we do. I'm just telling you. Man, all these big offering envelopes here who are fluffed open and everything and big money in them and big checks and all of that. And then this little old lady comes over and gives about 50 cents our money in it there. And Jesus said, she has given more than all the rest of these put together. He don't count money like I count money. See, I'm crazy. I believe a $100 bill is more than a dollar bill. But undoubtedly, Jesus is hung up somewhere down there. He don't count money like we count money. She's given more than all of these. Uh, Men, I, I jotted this down. This would be worth writing down. I don't give very many of these, but this would be one. Men use money to build buildings. It's going to take money to build this building. Depending on who you talk to, anywhere from a million and a half to two and a half million. It's gonna take money. Men use money to build buildings. God uses money to build men. He don't count like we count. It's it's foolishness to be tight fisted in the presence of somebody who owns everything. I'll just be honest with you. Somebody come and say, hey, here's a millionaire over here, and he's looking for people he can bless. I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't walking up to the guy like this. I'm walking up to him like this. And that's what the Lord is looking for. The Bible says he's looking to and fro for those he can make himself known to. God didn't sit up in heaven and say, follow my commandments. God came down here to earth and said, follow my example. He left heaven made himself of nothing no reputation sacrificed everything left heaven for you what are you going to do for him father i I pray that lord your spirit would be real in this place there's so many in this place today the first step they ought to do has nothing to do with a Bill Fole or anything It has to do with their heart and their life. And I pray, Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit would bring conviction on those who need to be saved. Lord, before we ever get saved, none of this is going to make any sense to us. I pray for the salvation of those in this building this very day. Thank you for these mothers and fathers that are here. Lord, there are people here who are lost. If you were to come today, they would end up spending eternity separated from you. God, would you speak to their hearts and save them before it's everlastingly too late. There are others that need to be a part of a church home. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts and God, that you would. uh, Lord, if this is where you want them to be, Lord, lead them here and let them be a part of this. Lord, how we love you. We cannot say thank you enough for what you've already done for us on Calvary. But oh God, if you'd just give us the breath. Could we continue to tell people about how good you are, how loving and merciful you are, and how you desire to save them? Lord, if you just give us extra resources, we'll continue to bless and to give and to go above and beyond what you ask us to, that the kingdom of God would be glorified, that Jesus would be lifted up. Lord, would you have your way right now in every life that's in this building? In Jesus' name, we're praying. Amen. Would